Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I feel like it's a really important topic because no matter where you are, even if you don't watch the news, it's really hard to ignore all the talk about the coronavirus. And if you can't avoid it, your kids can't either. So I thought it might be good to do an episode on how do we talk to our anxious kids about the coronavirus, or how do we talk to our kids with OCD about a virus without overwhelming an anxious kid or child with OCD. Super tricky. And I'd rather not sit back and wait and be reactive and then put out fires. I'd rather be proactive, at least as much as we can, and provide them with information. But then I'm getting asked a lot by parents and even the media, what do you say to kids? What should you say to help calm them down? Even when as adults, we're feeling kind of panicky about this situation. It can be very overwhelming. So I'm going to dive all into that today and give you some, some ideas and approaches and some important things to think about when you're talking to your children with anxiety or OCD, because there's a lot of talk about how to talk to children in general, but what about a child who already has an anxiety disorder or an obsessive compulsive disorder? How do we talk to those kids? So before we get started, I do want to mention that you can be accessing my free mini OCD class. And I have a mini class that goes over the misperceptions of childhood OCD and even very well-seasoned parents who have been in therapy for years have found some takeaways and ahas from that free 30 minute online class. So to learn more, just go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. And that free class is in my library of classes. Just look for parenting kids with OCD. And there's like a little ribbon on the thumbnail that would say the free class. So let's dive into the coronavirus and talk about how to talk about it with our kids. A lot of us, you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. So a lot of us have anxiety about it ourselves. So the first step to talking about anything that's scary in general to our kids is to put our own anxiety in check. And that can be really tricky, but you want to be very cognizant about what you're talking about, how you're discussing things and what your children are overhearing. So I would definitely recommend don't put the news on. Um, It's very alarmist. It's very um, hyped right now. And so the headlines are scary and we don't want our kids to be exposed to that. We rather uh, provide that information for them in a more structured way. So watch the news when the kids are in bed or watch it in your bedroom or read it on your, on your computer, but try to avoid having the news on, especially right now. And this is a very fluid situation. So everything I'm going to tell you is, you know, pertinent to what's happening right now. And it can change over time, depending on, on how this evolves and what's, what happens. So let's go into some of the different ways that you can talk to your kids. The first thing is I wouldn't wait for your children to come and and bring it up to you. A lot of times we want to kind of bury our head in the sand when it's a topic that we just don't even know how to broach. And so a lot of us have avoidant personalities and our go-to is to say, you know, 
I'll just wait and see if they have a hard time with this, or I'll just wait and to see if maybe they know about it. Trust me, if they are school-aged and they don't live in a bubble, your kids are going to know about this. I mean, I am recording this on March 3rd. This won't go out again until next Tuesday. And by then, even more kids will definitely be talking about this on the playground, in the neighborhoods, everywhere. And so you want to get ahead of it so that you can help shape your child's understanding of this before panic sets in. So sit down with your kids as soon as you can, if you haven't already. And the first thing I would say to them is, have you heard of the coronavirus? So we want to go on a fishing expedition first. I want to know everything and anything that you know about this and what you've been told and what your perceptions are so that I know what I'm working with. I don't want to just jump in. It's kind of like when parents have the sex talk with their kids and sometimes it's a little too late. (laughs) So you sit down with your child and you're like, oh, well, let me tell you about the birds and the bees. And your child already has all of this knowledge because I don't know how old they are. We won't get into that. And your child's looking at you like you're a moron because they're like, yeah, you know, mom, I've known about this for years. And, And now you don't really even know what they truly do know and what is, um, you know, knowledge that they got from their friends that could be like really wrong. So I always say, start with a question. Do you know what the coronavirus is? Yes. I've heard of it. Oh, well, that's good. Cause I want to talk to you about that. What have you heard so far? And then let them tell you, let them teach you what they know and then say, what was the scariest part of what you heard about it? So we're fishing for, did things trigger your anxiety or OCD? Now, ironically, a lot of the kids I'm working with so far in my practice, and like I said, I think um, timing is going to be uh, integral. And so right now I'm talking about this on March 3rd, 2020. I don't know what this is going to look like in two weeks. I don't know what this is going to look like in three months. So this information and the way that kids are reacting right now might be completely different than in a month from now when things might evolve. But right now, a lot of the kids in my practice who I thought would be having a hard time And even some parents who I thought would definitely be having a hard time are not. Um, And so that's good. So providing them with information can be helpful and assuming that it's going to be upsetting for them, you know, maybe inaccurate or assuming that it won't be because it's not their theme. They don't worry about germs or dying. um, They might be upset. So we, we can't really assume. So ask them what was this? Is there, was there a scariest part about what they heard? And then you're going to want to reframe some of those cognitive distortions. You're going to want to reframe some of those rumors. You're going to want to reframe whatever seems erroneous from what they've already learned. So that's how you start. And then you kind of take the lead from there. So I always try to anchor things in reality and things that kids know, because when there's something abstract, like this coronavirus, where a child is like, what the heck is that? I don't even know what that is. I kind of barely know what a virus is. We want to anchor it in their, their current knowledge. And so we normalize it on some level. And so I always start off, and this is what I do with my kids. I said, I did the exact same thing that we're talking about. And I said, have you heard of the coronavirus? And my kids were like, yes, we have. And my eight-year-old was like, no, what's that? And, and then I said, well, do you know what the flu is? So of course, most kids know what the flu is. Yeah, I know what the flu is, right? The flu is not fun to have. Um, it can make you really sick. It can make you feel like, oh, you don't want to get out of bed, but we typically get over the flu, right? Now, some people don't get over the flu, like people who are really old. Of course, my eight-year-old had a pipe in and say, oh my gosh, mom, I'm so worried about you. I'm like, I'm not that old. 
So say very old or people who are already sick with diseases, um, are in really poor health. You want to say sick with diseases. You don't want to say just sick because they might think, oh my gosh, well, what if, you know, I have a stomach ache and then I get the coronavirus. Now am I going to be in more danger? So, so right now I'm still just talking about the flu and I'm just saying with the flu, you know, we get, we get sick, we don't feel good. We're in bed. And then most of us get better, right? Unless we're really old or already have diseases or really sick. So the coronavirus is very similar to the flu. It's just the reason why it's such a big deal is because it's new. So people haven't studied it or heard about it as much. And so when anything is new, right? Like when you go to a new school or when you meet a new friend, that can be a lot more anxiety producing because you don't know what to expect, right? When you go to a new school, you don't know what the teachers are going to be like. You, you've been, you've had school before. You know what teachers are like in general, but you don't know what this teacher is going to be like. And so people get nervous, and even grownups get nervous when there's something new that they don't know what very well. New makes people nervous. So um, coronavirus is like the flu, but it's new, and so everyone's very nervous, and it's very contagious. And so when it's very contagious, people get very nervous because they can catch it. But the flu, you can catch the flu just as much. And the flu is very contagious. So what I'm doing is I am, I'm anchoring, I'm anchoring that child's knowledge of the flu. And typically, unless they have OCD around germs, the flu is not nearly as scary. Now, if they have a metaphobia, like my daughter has a metaphobia, my miss eight. So, and my miss, my Mr. 10 also sometimes has a fear of throwing up. And so I went on, and I think this is a helpful thing to do anyway, but I went on to differentiate it from the flu. And I said, but in the coronavirus, um, I'm not hearing that one of the symptoms is throwing up. The symptoms are a fever and a cough. And so both my kids felt very relaxed when I said that. And I said, oh, a fever and a cough. And my eight-year-old was like, well, that will be fine. I don't mind a fever and a cough and I'd rather stay home. So I'm normalizing it for them. Now, as information unfolds and if things seem a little bit scarier, you know, we can spoon feed them information, but this is the relevant information that we have right now. And like any crisis or any trauma, when you're trying to help someone process things that are happening in the world or in their life or with them, you start off with these facts and let them digest. And so we want our kids to know these basic facts and let that digest and let them process this. Um, so we don't want to scare them with, you know, things that are not happening currently. Although I will get into it. There is a couple of things that you want to sprinkle as foreshadowing to prepare them. So this is kind of a weird analogy, but when I was in graduate school, I took this one class on Um, I don't even know what it was. It was like emergency response or something. It was a really weird class. And part of the class was all about teaching you how to deliver death notices, which is really bizarre, Um, but helpful because it stayed with me all these years. And the teacher, the professor was a social worker in the emergency room. And she talked about how, like when they deliver news, like that someone's died, they don't just tell them, Hey, someone's died. They say, so-and-so got in a car accident and they give them just a couple of little facts. And then can you come to the hospital? And then they tell them there. And partly they do that just because of safety reasons, but a big part of it is the brain needs to process this information. So giving our kids breadcrumbs of this, you know, possible pandemic that's happening, giving them the facts that we know now that are not nearly as scary as what could be, if that makes sense. Right. 
So we, we want to give them these breadcrumbs. So telling them the symptoms that we know of, and then bring it local. And that's why I'm giving you the date of this podcast, because I don't know what it'll look like in the future. Um, we can all hope, but it's highly contagious. And so we don't know what this is going to look like in our society. We do know that currently the, and this isn't something I would share with children, but this is something I'm trying to tell you, you know, that the death rate is like 2% and they think it may even be lower than that. And, you know, driving a car is pretty high. I'm sure it's higher than 2%. So we have to put it in perspective and we can do that with our kids without talking about death rates. Um, but that does definitely calm my own anxiety when I remind myself, you know, even if we got this and even if, you know, we have to be homebound for a while, we're all relatively young and we're okay and we can survive this. So that, that helps me with my own anxiety saying it's scary. The headlines are scary, but, um, if I look at the death rates, they're not scary. They're not scary to me. So the worst case scenario is that, you know, we're all kind of holed up in our houses for a while, but hopefully that won't happen either. And we don't want to share that with our kids, but I'll talk about leaving some breadcrumbs. So the next step is you want to bring it local. If there's nothing really happening in your state or your city, it's really good to highlight that. And so, um, currently as of March 3rd, there has only been one case of the coronavirus in Arizona. And so at this time, in this moment, I could say to my children, um, in the entire state of Arizona right now, there was only one person. Um, even if I can say in the entire state of Arizona, there's been a hundred cases, how many kids go to your school, right? There's a thousand people at your school. So, and 100 be such a small, small percentage of even someone in your school. So we want to help them have some perspective and bring it local. We may not be able to do that as things get bigger and more contagious, but for now we can definitely bring it local and anchor our kids in reality that their environment, their current environment is safe. And it's not like an epidemic where they live that may change over time. And we'll have to change our language. Uh, The other thing I want to talk about is how to discuss hygiene with kids, especially kids who have OCD, Um, but also kids who may be predisposed to OCD. This is very tricky because a lot of what the CDC is saying can almost sound like OCD behavior. I mean, I've read things where they're saying not only just to wash your hands, but to watch where other people are touching things, to wash your stuff frequently very OCD like behavior. And so this will be very tricky for people who have OCD when it is being promoted and and important at this point to really take care of your hygiene. So what I said to my kids who both don't have a very strong germ theme currently, but that doesn't mean they can't. I just said, there's going to be a lot more focus on hygiene because you know, the coronavirus is very contagious and it's spread just like the common cold or the flu. And so when it's flu season, we take extra care with our hygiene. So you wash your hands before you eat, you wash your hands after you go to the bathroom, you wash your hands if you cough or sneeze, or if you're around someone who's coughing or sneezing and, and I keep it at that. So, I mean, we can certainly squirt the antibacterial soap on our kids when they come home from school or have them go wash their hands. Things that I normally wouldn't recommend for kids who have OCD because we really don't want to highlight um, excessive cleaning. But right now you just, you explain to them, 
that it's flu season. And you see what I'm doing is I'm kind of talking about it like it's flu season. So I'm normalizing it. Um, it's flu season and now we've got the coronavirus. So we're just going to take extra care. That doesn't mean that we have to wash our hands a million times a day. Um, it just means that we wash our hands during certain times. And so you want to keep it simplistic and you want to have some rules around it so that kids don't go overboard with that. And that can be tricky. The other thing I'd like to mention is I, w- I would want to preempt some scary things. So I, I told my kids, you're going to see people wearing masks. You know, you might see them on TV wearing masks and I'm, I'm leaving breadcrumbs for possible things that could happen in the future. And so we can do that. And if they happen, they happen. And our kids are a little bit better prepared. And if they don't happen, they don't happen. And it's not a big deal, but I want to foreshadow some things that might be happening. So I talked about masks and I said, you know, a lot of people might be wearing masks. The CDC, there are people who are in charge of making sure like this doesn't get out of control. They like search this, they follow it. It's like, they're like, they're in charge of taking care of this issue. And we look for them for guidance. And they're saying that people don't need to wear masks unless they're sick, but people are going to wear them anyway, because that's just what people do when they get scared. So you might see a lot of people wearing masks. That's important because wearing a mask kind of looks scary to people. It, um, to kids, it can look creepy depending on what kind of mask they have, but it can also just look like there's like a sea of sick people everywhere. So that can be very overwhelming or that people are so afraid of breathing the air that, um, like the air is contaminated and we don't want our kids to feel that way. That's a very scary way to live. So we want to kind of dispel the, the reasons why people are wearing masks. The next one I would say, I would preemptively talk about rumors. So I told my kids, I said, you know, just like anything, you know, have there been things that happened at school and people start to gossip and talk about it and they've been incorrect, right? And we talk about Bloody Mary at my house and how that's not real, but people talk about it. I said, whenever something scary is happening in the world, people like to talk about it and they don't always have all the facts or where they're getting their information is it's not accurate because they're kind of jumping the gun. So if you hear rumors and they're scary rumors, I want you to feel like you can come to me and talk to me and let me know if you've heard something so that I can tell you, we can look it up together and I can tell you if that's accurate or not, or I can tell you um, maybe what they're trying to say. And so we're preemptively preparing our kids to one, have a better open communication with us and keep us abreast of anything that they're hearing or learning that is scaring them so that we can help reframe that. The last thing that I did with my kids is I wanted to just prepare them. And this may be my anxiety because my husband is super calm about this. <laughs> and I'm like, a, I have anxiety. Um, I have like an anxiety disorder. So it is in check. But when things like this happen, it definitely gets spiked. And I start to think about, oh my gosh, what's the worst case scenario? What's going to happen? How can we survive it? <laughs> and for me, it's not really about the virus. It's just more about you know, everything shutting down and what that will look like for a little while, but that's not happening yet, or it may never happen at all. And so what I said to my kids as just a breadcrumb to prepare them, if something like that were to happen, I just said, the worst thing that really can happen with this coronavirus is that people have to stay home because they don't want people out in crowds. They may not want people to go to school. They may not want people to go to work because they just want to like not have the virus spread. And my eight-year-old was like, that would be great, mom. (laughs) She's like, I would love to just stay home. That's not a problem. So 
yes, that's not happening. And we don't really need to process that. But yet, because I left that breadcrumb, if for some reason it gets to that level and, you know, it really hits my area and they're saying, you know, we're going to have no school for a while, God forbid, hopefully that won't happen. But if that does, my kids aren't going to be really overwhelmed and shocked because they're going to say, oh yeah, my mom mentioned this before. Um, that's kind of, it's all part of what we've already prepared ourselves for. So breadcrumbs are kind of important. And the last thing I would say is keep them updated. So if this, this is a fluid situation. So if things are changing, um, drastically from what you told them, you want to revisit that. You don't want to have them be in denial or not give them updated information that is developmentally appropriate. Sometimes things aren't developmentally appropriate. And so if things change drastically and they're very overwhelming, we want to spoon feed that a little bit to our kids um, and cater to the younger kids, but we don't want to have our older kids be ignorant where they're going to hear it from someone else and they're not, they're not going to trust the information that you have. So you can just say, I'll keep you updated when I hear more. If you're concerned, if you have questions, please feel free to come to me. Um, I want us to be able to talk about these scary things. So, um, that's pretty much how I'd recommend going about this. A book that I would recommend that kind of covers things that are overwhelming like this is something bad happened, a kid's guide to coping with events in the news. And that is by Dawn Hebner. And she has been on my podcast covering that. Actually, I have a podcast episode about that. That was episode 136, episode 136, how to talk to your child when something bad happened locally or globally. Now, ironically at that time, I mean, not really ironically, but whatever, you don't have like a, you know, you don't have a crystal ball and know what's going to happen in the future. But we were talking about mass shootings and school shootings and bombings and hate crimes and environmental disasters and devastating weather. Um, we didn't talk about pandemics. <laughs> we missed that one. We didn't check that one off, but that might be a good episode to supplement this episode and definitely check out her book on that because um, it's a children's book and that might be really helpful to be able to read that with your child and um, give them some perspective. Although normally her book was kind of talking more about when something bad happens, but not to you. And so this would actually be really good right now. If it's not happening in your, in your town or your city or your state, uh, it's very relevant. I think as it gets closer and if it starts to impact the people that you know and love, it won't be as relevant because it's more, that's more about first line trauma than witnessing something bad happening outside of you. Still definitely worthwhile to pick up and to look at. So I know it can be scary times, even for you as an adult. And I recommend that you get your own support. If it's time to go see a therapist, go see a therapist. Um, a lot of this stuff can be very, very triggering. Also stay in the now. Um, that's kind of my coping mechanism. I'm always like, well, what's happening today? You know, and maybe don't overread the news, but just educate yourself, um, with some really good resources that are accurate and then not overwhelm yourself with some of those, kind of clickbait headlines that can be very, very scary. So get your own support, talk to your partner if you have one and um, stay in the now what's happening right now to your family, what's happening right now in your situation and try not to have catastrophic thinking, which I know can be really hard. So I hope that you found this helpful. I hope this helps guide you a bit. I know it can be kind of confusing as far as where to start with anxious kids. Um, We don't want to trigger them and we don't want to Uh, put more on their plate because they're already anxious. However, when there's something happening that 
there's no way that we can avoid them hearing about, it's better to take the bull by the horns, be proactive instead of reactive. And you get to be the author of the story. You get to create their understanding and you get to um, make sure that it's accurate and it's being presented to them in a way that's not going to be um, super overwhelming. It will trigger a lot of our anxious kids. We can't avoid that, but uh, we don't want other people to do it for them, right? Does that make sense? So anyway, I hope it helps. I also did a kid's YouTube video on how to talk to kids about coronavirus, where I talk to kids directly. So if you want to have your child watch that, I definitely recommend that you watch it first. It's pretty much everything I'm saying in this podcast, but I'm saying it directly to kids. Um, There's a lot of kids who search things on YouTube without any parental um, supervision. And so I try to help those kids out. Um, And also a lot of you guys show my videos to your kids. And so I wanted to provide you with a kind of like a, a help you kind of gift where um, I've got you covered and you can also use my video as a supplement to this conversation that you can have with your kids. So you can definitely check that out. I'll leave a link in the show notes for my um, kids YouTube video, or if you ever just want to go to my channel and see what videos I have available for kids, they're all for kids and teens. You can go to youtube.com slash C slash anxious toddlers 78. It's not for toddlers, but that's the name and check that out. If you've noticed, I now have on my website, when you go and check my website out, I have these podcast episodes completely transcribed. So that's pretty exciting. So if you ever want to see the transcribed version of any episode uh, moving forward, I think the last month will be transcribed at this point. You can go and you can get the, the printed version of it. You can also click as you read it and it will take you right to that audio spot of where I'm talking, which is super cool. It's automatically transcribed, so it's definitely not perfect, but it is nice to maybe to be able to skim if you don't have time to listen or you're at a place where you can't listen. I want you to know that you can go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com and you can um, see the latest episodes and you can read them. So, and if you go to atparentingsurvival.com slash podcast, you will, you can find all my latest podcasts there. So that's an easy way to find all that. If you are finding my show valuable and helping you with your parenting, the anxious child or your child with OCD, please consider hitting a star on iTunes, Google play, Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast, those ratings definitely help. If you have like 30 extra seconds and you want to leave a review, that's even more giving back. Um, because those reviews are read by parents that help them know that the show is valuable as a uh, sign of appreciation. I always like to end my show reading one of them. So I want to say thank you to Amanda. She wrote incredibly helpful. Thank you so much for these empowering podcasts. I felt so alone and confused. Now I know how to help my child thrive and so many abundant resources to meet our needs. This is simply the best. Well, thank you, Amanda. I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. And if you take the time, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 